You're listening to Podcast PXN, PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo. Let's do this. What's up, guys? Welcome to Episode 9 of Podcast PXN. I am one of your hosts, Daniel Prindle, a.k.a. Dan is DTM on Twitter, and I am joined by the pride of PlayStation, Sean Babiak, that is struggling today. Sean, how are you? What a week. What a week. And it's <laughs> so, Wednesday. So thanks to everyone in the chat for coming out to the live show. Just as a reminder, we are live each and every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern time on YouTube. Just search Podcast PXN and you will find us there. So the show always starts with the PXN News of the Week. So let's go ahead and jump right into the news. First up on the PXN News of the Week, we have MLB The Show 19 and The Last of Us Remastered announced for PlayStation Plus for October. So this is pretty exciting. MLB The Show has been made by Sony San Diego for many, many years now, and it's been phenomenal. It's been the go-to baseball game, really the only baseball game. So this is a really good one to have on there. The Last of Us Remastered. Another incredible game. If you haven't played The Last of Us, absolutely recommend playing it on PS4. And, uh, yeah, it's free with PS Plus next month. So, obviously, like, a lot of this news is coming from both PlayStation State of Play and Xbox uh, Inside. Is that what it's called? Inside Xbox. Inside Xbox, sorry. Um, So, that's be a primary lot of the news this week. Uh, As far as this specific thing, one, it makes my non- not ever opening my last of us remaster copy even more useless because i owned it i got it for christmas like two or three years ago you never opened it i've i played the game on playstation 3 right. including the dlc so mm. my parents saw it in like a bargain bin um during one of the black friday sales when it was like i think less than ten dollars oh. um but i never opened it because I, I didn't want to tell them but it's just like the Last of Us will always be a singular experience for me. Mm. I tried to go back actually on the PS3, and it was very hard to because you invest so much time into that game. It's that first experience. I feel like is that is your experience of that game. Yeah, so I mentioned that with God of War as well. Like mm. it's hard to go back to some single player games when you focus in on that's what you experience. Especially with like the emotional opening to The Last of Us, you don't really have that a second. Exactly, time. yeah. Um, MLB The Show, I know uh, my brother-in-law will be super happy about. He loves those games. Um, this was actually the year that he refused to buy the copy. Oh, yeah. Because uh, he hates Bryce Harper. Oh. So he did not want to have that copy. <laughs> uh, he also did that with uh, this year's Madden 2 because AB. Or no, not this year. It was last year's that had AB on it. A couple years ago, I think. Was it a couple years? I thought it was think, last year. Oh, um, Was it Tom might be, Brady last year? I was thinking Tom Brady So then maybe was it was 2017? Year. I think so. Okay. One of those. I don't know. I know I he was confused. on a cover, though, and he yeah. refused to buy it. Yeah. But I actually called him and told him about it. He's like, well, if it's technically, in a sense, free, he might go ahead and get it. Yeah. Um, I've played it a few times, actually, when I used to live with them. Um, they are very fun games for those fans i am not a sim sports guy mm-hmm. um i like if if they ended up bringing back mlb slugfest i'd be all down for that um because it was basically nfl blitz but with mlb um but i think this is obviously actually it's surprising for people to know that this is actually a tentpole franchise for playstation mm-hmm. um, yeah. because it is considered 
not just to be the pinnacle of baseball games. It is up in the upper echelons when it comes to sports games in general. Yeah. Uh, with your NBA 2Ks and your Maddens and your FIFAs. Like, yeah. this does actually do very well for PlayStation every single year. I, so, I mean, I, they've never given this away free either. Yeah. That's, a, that's awesome. I kind of liken that uh, to uh, kind of Forza Motorsport series for Microsoft because it's the same kind of deal. It's pretty much the same thing every year, or not every year because it's every other year it switches with Horizon, but uh, it pretty much is the same game every time it comes out. It's just they refine and and continue to make it better and better, and it's a high-quality game, and uh, it's just in very similar genres like racing. It's, It's... the top tier racing game as MLB the show is a top tier sports game. So very excited to play those and see more from PlayStation plus next up. Uh, the modern warfare campaign trailer was shown off during the state of play event, um, for Sony. And this, this trailer looked absolutely incredible. Like I, I was really, really excited before this trailer dropped, and after this trailer dropped, I'm even more excited. Like, the just visually, the game looks stunning. And, of course, it's going to be mostly pre-rendered stuff that you're seeing, like, on trailers and stuff like that, and it's maybe not indicative of uh, gameplay. But the exciting thing for me is seeing the, the old characters like Captain Price returning in a different role, and kind of uh, rebooting that series. So I am very excited to play this campaign, but I'm going to kind of go on a tangent here for the next part that the Modern Warfare Spec Ops Survival Mode is exclusive to PlayStation 4 for one year. So Spec Ops is basically um, the equivalent to... Uh, like zombies in Treyarch's games. So Spec Ops is these missions that you go on that uh, fulfills certain tasks, um, and you're running certain missions cooperatively with other players. And this survival mode, I believe they introduced in Modern Warfare 3, and it's basically just like zombies except with actual, uh, actual people enemies instead of zombie enemies. And so the thing that bothers me quite a bit about this is one-year exclusivity on PlayStation for the survival mode. So essentially what you're saying is that audience that loves the zombie experience, they basically can't play this until 2020, October 2020, um, because of this exclusivity deal. That to me just screams absolute bullcrap from activision they did the same thing with destiny just say it. you held yourself back say it you held yeah, yourself back i i did hold myself hold back but daniel it's just bullshit it say is it, it's bullshit it. but it. <laughs> anyways it's the exact same thing they did with destiny destiny one had exclusive content for one year and actually destiny had even more content that was exclusive for a year but to me this doesn't help anyone and Number two, this is this is only hurting your your image of the game. You're promoting this game as a cross-play game, cross-platform game. Like you're you're promoting all this awesome community stuff that you're trying to help the community and all this. This is not a community uh, satisfying uh, thing to announce. Like you're basically sectioning off 
two-thirds of your audience because of an exclusivity deal that you made with Sony. To me, this this doesn't make any sense. And then people will come back and say, yeah, but Microsoft did this back then. They did, but they didn't do one-year exclusivity. I would have been just as irritated if they had done this back when Microsoft was dominating 360 days and they owned the Call of Duty mar marketing deal. But their stuff was always one month early access to the new DLCs each month. So this is gating people off for a year. Think about that. October 2020, the next Call of Duty game's going to be almost out. Who the hell is going to want to play Modern Warfare? Maybe it might be out. Because remember, they switched the development yes, teams, but, but I don't know It yet. probably yeah. will be. But why Why would you push that back for two-thirds of your audience? I get Sony paid them for a marketing deal, and I'm sure that they wanted to get as much as they can. I don't blame Sony for this because they're going to try and get everything that they can. They're a first-party platform. They're going to try and do as much as they possibly can to drive people to their platform. But to me, it doesn't make any sense for Activision to say F you to two thirds of their audience just because they get a marketing deal. That's not that's not okay in my eyes. The last thing I'm gonna rant about about this, one of the Infinity Ward uh, developers reached out on Twitter to people complaining about this and basically said uh, survival mode is 1% of this entire game. That's I don't care how much percent you personally want to attribute this game mode to be. Any kind of content that you're holding back from other players because of a marketing deal is not okay. Everyone is paying the same $60. Nobody is paying any different. We aren't paying less because we have less content. So to me, that's absolute bullcrap for him to say that. And I don't... Say it one more time. That's absolute, absolute bullshit there for him to go. say that. But... To me, I don't blame Infinity Ward for this because Infinity Ward's just trying to make the best game they can possibly hold on. They can possibly make, but I do I don't understand developers of Infinity Ward trying to defend this nature. He did mention later on in his tweets that yeah, this is an upper level decision that that was made, but don't try to defend it for something you know, try to make changes to it to make it better. That's not better. Waiting one year to play a certain piece of content, that's not better. That is absolute bullcrap. So um, Ben actually posted in the chat, they also need to not have every game mode uh, all across platform. The PC kids are just swamping all the lobbies and it makes no one else able to play. I agree with that. When we were playing, we had, there was no filters for, um pc or xbox or playstation or whatever it just kind of threw everyone in so we were getting a lot of pc people launching now it's supposed to have something i was like, gonna say in a beta i don't anticipate those having those directives yeah. i feel like that'll obviously happen in the game itself yeah and it's supposed to have stuff like fortnite has where if you're on pc using a controller you can play with controller people on on console and vice versa if you're on keyboard and mouse on pc you can only play against keyboard and mouse people on uh the other consoles because they support keyboard and yeah. mouse now so yeah that's that's kind of my rant for that uh activision strikes again and uh i'm i'm kind of so irritated. i would i agree everything with you and i don't believe you're fanboying either 
um, just because I, 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 granted, you didn't have to experience this with Xbox whenever they had that exclusivity deal. But if they would, I could see you being the same way. My, mm-hmm. I don't have an issue ever with exclusivity when it comes to quote unquote horse armor, things right. that don't cosmetics. Don't, yeah, things that don't um, affect anything with gameplay or experience. Yeah, because I, I just think it's weird if you think just because you have that whatever that skin on your gun like that affects your enjoyment of the game dude you barely see that on the screen so it's not really a big deal but having an actual game mode and i very well he could be right that it's one percent of a game's 99 percent showing uh of it all but as somebody who likes to think themselves as a completionist i mean we'll go into it as games we're playing but I am, like, in the process of 100%ing Borderlands. Yeah. Like, I don't want that. If that was the case, that's an FPS. I know it's an RPG, but it is an FPS, too. If I was told, hey, this one part of the mo- of the game, I can't do. But you can do everything else. You're going to still get 100 hours worth of enjoyment. Cool. Yep. Why couldn't I experience that one thing? Yep. Agreed. So, And, and I do understand certain other exclusivities like when tomb raider uh uh, rise of the tomb raider was a year-long exclusivity to xbox that i understand because that's not essentially handing people a piece of cake without Mm -hmm. the fork yeah that's just not giving them any cake at all right and saying okay hey it's gonna be on playstation a year later and honestly it ends up working out for everybody in my mind because xbox got that exclusivity so people are going to adopt like that's when I bought my Xbox One was when Tomb Raider got that exclusivity because I love that franchise. Yep. And then also, if you were to wait for it for PlayStation, not only do you get the game of the year that has all the DLC, but they wanted to make it a little bit more interesting, so they added a PSVR experience to it, which, yep. for the record, wasn't good. It, that actually is an experience that made me sick, but still, you kind of got a cherry on top with waiting for that game, and Xbox mm-hmm. gamers just got to play it sooner. Right. So I, and the other thing with that was Square Enix was freaking out over the sales of the original Tomb Raider reboot because they said it underperformed, even though it sold like what two million copies or some. Japanese crap. companies are notorious for uh, overselling yeah. their anticipation for games. What uh, for the longest time, Resident Evil uh, now certain ones did, but they would always say they undersold, and they'd be like five or six million. And it's like. Yeah. Dude, a lot of developers would kill for five or six million. Exactly. So it's and especially all their experiences for the most part were single player. Yeah. Five or six million single player is a very good thing to get. Yeah. And and I was just thinking all based off of that, maybe that's why Microsoft threw a bunch of money to help them publish it because Microsoft actually published yeah. published the uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider on Xbox One. And maybe they did that because uh, Square Enix was a little shy with their money after not hitting their quote-unquote sales goals whereas call of duty you're gonna hit your freaking sales goals i mean it's the biggest selling game franchise in the world like well i guess that's another thing that i don't get is that everybody is screaming for crossplay to be a thing and ben brings it up um like everybody has like it it's a staple for multiplayer games now like that's exactly what people are expecting that's how you get people out of fortnite yeah. is to get this crop platform thing going okay so then why would you as a company not not again i don't actually put this on sony um now i could be we could be 100 percent wrong it could actually be sony saying like hey yo we're not gonna do the exclusivity deal unless we get a little something extra this year yeah but um 
why would you like if you're playing on Xbox and I was playing on PlayStation, you're gonna have a basically either a mode blacked out or a mode that doesn't exist on your menu, whereas it does mine. Right. And like that's cool. I could play with PlayStation people, and I get it. There's bigger install base. Yeah. But the whole reason for crossplay is that way you can live in your ecosystem of the online service you like without sacrificing your friends. Yeah. And in that sense. You're now sacrificing the ecosystem yeah. and your friends. Exactly, and for the people that like that experience, like like I said, this is catered towards the zombies fans, mm-hmm. and you're basically sectioning them off because the other spec ops modes aren't don't have this experience. It's a completely different experience. So, yeah, I don't know the the whole thing just kind of annoys me. I it's harpens back to my hate of activision because all they care about in the end is money which most companies they care a lot about money but they also care about the games and the developers as well well ever since honestly the rise of call of duty that's when you really got to see activision no longer because they actually used to make other games yeah i mean one of the greatest franchises until recently was tony hawk's pro skater they were a major uh, uh publisher of that series i mean Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 and 3, uh, to a little lesser, are, like, revered as, like, some of the best sports games you'll ever play in your entire life. Yep. And I would agree with that. But it's like, they totally went away with that. And Guitar Hero, they yeah. did the same thing. They just pounded it into the ground. Yeah. But, anyways, we'll jump up to our next item. So, I put on here Destiny 2 Shadow Keep. I just wanted to talk briefly about this. Kind of, uh... Jumping off the back of that a little bit because Bungie announced a few months ago that they were becoming independent from Activision. Well, not independent because they were already independent, but they were... uh, Ceasing their partnership. Yes, ceasing their partnership for publishing rights of Destiny. Um, So Bungie is... Now that they are free from Activision, you see a very different Bungie. You see a Bungie that is back to making Vidox like they did in the Halo days where they're basically talking about their game all the time like their constant communication with the fans and they're making changes that fans want the whole glimmer thing with uh with the um the marketplace i can't think of the name right now i don't know why i'm drawing a blank the market the real world marketplace in destiny they made a ton of changes to that after that deal went through because it was basically anti-consumer um and and all of the stuff I've seen on Shadowkeep makes me very excited to play it and jump back into Destiny. I haven't played Destiny 2 since the first expansion came out, and I basically just played the story, and then I was done with it um, just because I wanted to move on to other stuff. But I have a feeling this might bring me back and kind of grab me a little more than, uh, than previously. Um, the original Destiny obviously grabbed me a crap load i have like 500 hours into that but um i'm very excited to see more about the new armor system they've implemented and uh all the changes that they've made so i'm very very intrigued for that um next up this one is an interesting one i don't know if you saw anything about this google play store is launching a competitor actually already has launched a competitor to apple arcade so the interesting thing with this is the developers don't get paid until the game is played. So the way Google is basing it is based off of numbers of who's playing your game and how many people are you playing your game. And then 
that's how much of a cut you get from their subscription service. So instead of paying everyone the same, like Apple's doing their, with their Apple Arcade, they're paying every all the developers up front uh, the same amount, and you know, every, no one's getting uh, more or less than the other. Google is doing the opposite of that. They're basically saying, you have to prove your worth of, for our subscription service, which is leaving a very bad taste in many developers' mouth because um, they're they're basically having to get people into their game when that's the whole point of this subscription service. That That's why they have the subscription service to get people into these games that people otherwise may not play. So this is very concerning for me um, just as from a developer's perspective because... I feel like you're, this is very toxic to the entire like ecosystem. This would be like Microsoft saying, "Hey, we will pay you uh, X amount of dollars if you get ten users that play your game on Game Pass." Well, not to mention Stadia is only a few weeks yeah. from launching, and I get it; it's a different platform, but it's the same company you say on my, that platform. Yes. I mean, look, yeah, there's already the a lot of uh, lukewarm reactions uh, to how Stadia is going to perform. Um, and this is not giving at least myself faith in Google as a company. No. Um, I do understand that, like, um, different things are always in motion, even though they seem like somebody's following somebody else. Yeah. Um, like the fact that Apple Arcade came out last week, like, okay, well now suddenly Google, it's not suddenly, they were developing it themselves, Mm -hmm. but the fact remains that earning royalties on a game rather than getting paid for a game, I, I... I don't know if it's the right method. Now, time could tell. Maybe that is. Maybe that is how they make more money. Because, obviously, we saw that in the music streaming industry. How artists started losing money off of CD sales. But uh, that's also a a fake story in itself. Or fake news, as some people would say. Uh, because artists never made money off of CDs. They always made it off of merch and ticket sales, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know if this is necessarily going to shake out how we think in the end. Mm. But... For the beginning of it, it just seems like you put it uh, delicately anti-developer. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I was an independent developer if I want to release on Google Play simply because of that model. Exactly. Or if I do, I don't want to join into this family of Google Play. Yeah. Uh, pa- I think it's Google Play Pass. Yeah. If you're, yeah. If you're a developer, why do you choose Google over Apple Arcade or yeah. Xbox Live or PlayStation Network? You could go any, literally anywhere else. So. And for the record, a lot of these games actually do look pretty cool. I'm in my mind right now contemplating if I wanted to get the Apple Arcade. Yeah. Um. I've and I know mobile has that stigma, rightfully so in my mind, because mobile games are predatory. Um. I mean, you can sure there. There's a few out there like Papers Please. Um, Gears Pop, I'm not a Gears Pop fan. It's amazing. Uh, Super Mario Run, I thought was really cool. Yeah. Oh, um, Mario Kart Tour just came out. Yeah, I was actually gonna add oh. that after this. Oh, there you um, go. But uh, there's a lot of really cool things with mobile that's going on, yeah. but it's it's very small. Yeah. So I'm hoping that these arcade features do. But right now, I can tell you, this doesn't make me want to switch from an Apple to an Android for that. Yeah. Even if they have exclusive games, I don't ever see myself going at that. Nope, I don't either. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even have an Android to do that. Exactly, yeah. The only thing I want to mention is Mario Kart uh, is available for your uh, phone, uh, which is really awesome. I haven't gotten a chance to play it. But the big story is the fact that it costs 
more for their subscription service for Mario Kart Online than it does for Switch Online currently. What's the subscription service? Uh, you for? get access to 200cc, uh, a couple character skins, uh, and then you are able to earn like badges and stuff like that. Um, I personally, one, I have no reason. I don't. I have to dive into it a little bit. I know in general we don't do mobile, but Mario Kart's a huge franchise across oh, yeah. Nintendo. Um, I, I don't know if it's going to be something that I'll stick into. I'm going to give it a try, but mm. just like. Dr. Mario was actually a huge disappointment for me. Yeah. I love the Dr. Mario games and even Dr. Luigi on Wii U, but it was such a miscalculation with the viruses going up, and I get it. They basically made it a match-three game again. Yeah. Um, but this is one of those things where I know the money is with free-to-play yeah. because I get the microtransactions, but like games such as Super Mario Run, I found so much more enjoyable because I got just pay for the experience yeah i don't get snaked on or any of that stuff i'm just getting that game and that was like what seven or eight bucks uh ten bucks ten it was bucks. ten bucks you got the first level gotcha. first three levels for free gotcha um but then it then it was uh pay for it and i gladly did i oh, had yeah. a lot of fun with it it was worth it yeah. it was a fun game i remember you sure. and i when we worked together we were talking about like how can you get past this jump that type of thing yep that game uh, that was a lot of fun mm-hmm. so uh, kind of bouncing off of our uh, mobile games, this is kind of tying in a little bit. xCloud preview signups have begun, but it's for Android devices only. So they announced in the Inside Xbox stream on uh, Tuesday that they are starting signups and that they will be sending out invites in the coming weeks uh, for the public uh, trial, basically, of xCloud. They're going to have games like Crackdown 3, Destiny 2, Sea of Thieves, Halo 5, and Gears 5 uh, all able to be tested. So this is going to be very, very interesting to hear what people's impressions are of xCloud out in the wild. Now, the one thing to note of this is this is obviously only Android, and it's also only testing the uh, cloud services. So... There's two different versions of xCloud. There's the cloud services one where you're playing from the cloud, and then there's the one that you're playing from your own home Xbox. Essentially, your Xbox acts as a server that you hit instead of like their Like what stuff. people used to do at the beginning of PlayStation with their Vita. Yes. Uh, this console generation. I actually Except, did, I did that uh, yes. before, but... Except Obviously you, a little bit more high-tech. Yes. Because <laughs> yes. the Vita was not high-tech. And, and you don't have to be on your home network yeah. in order to hit it. So it's, it's just basically allowing you to hit a closer server. So if you live like, I don't know, 700 miles away from the closest server that Microsoft has, you can always have your own home Xbox to use yourself. So this test is only for testing Microsoft's cloud services themselves. So I'm very interested to see like the impressions from people in the real world because obviously it's very different having things in the real world tested than uh, having things tested behind the scenes. So very interested to see more on that. So next up, this one has me very, very excited. So Oxenfree Developers Night School Games are uh, have a release date for After Party, and it is October. Uh, I believe it was like October 29th. Uh, I thought it was the 17th. 29th. Okay. 
Um, I'm very excited for this game. I it looked lo- cool, dude. It, yes. it really actually looked cool. I, I was not an Oxenfree fan. You weren't? Oh, no. I loved Oxenfree. I, I just, I, I'm not a walking simulator person yeah. that doesn't, like, it had its quirks. Mm-hmm. Um, but this game's like the art style, like everything. Yeah. When we were watching it yesterday of the video, I was like, this actually looks funny. Yeah. I, like, interesting mechanic. I'm very excited for it. Oxenfree had just such a cool dynamic between the characters, like, the character interactions were the biggest thing of Oc- for Oxen Free, and then the story, like how that game ended, just blew my mind. I was just like, "What the heck? What just happened?" And I'm very much uh, intrigued to see uh, After Party as well. I think it'll be very much the same. I like that vein. the mechanic is like the story depends on literally how you're performing at a party as far as drinking. Yeah, um, like that's essentially where you get your. I guess you could say power-ups, um, like, that'll actually dictate your story. Like, if you are if you drink this certain drink, you might talk like a pirate, and everyone's going to think you're really messed up. Yeah. Or maybe that you speak with an accent instead, and it's just yeah. it's just funny how the characters are going to respond to them. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of cool dynamics. Yeah, the developers even mentioned it was such a treat going from, like, a three-to-five character person game mm-hmm. uh, that Oxenfree was to now a 200-plus uh, character game. Um, that has all these NPCs that you can interact with, explore basically their version of hell, where yeah. they encapsulate all religions. Basically, I remember them quoting saying um, that they took every single religion's version of hell, and that's their hell. Combined yeah, it. they yeah. combined it for it. And D- Dave Fenoy, the voice of Lee from the Walking Dead series, is voicing the devil in that game, which is super cool. Well, he- the dude got the gravitas for it. Yes, he does, very much. Um so moving on, Take Two has filed a trademark for a new Mafia game and possibly also for a Mafia Two remaster. So I don't know if you've played any of the Mafia games. Two and three. You played two and three. What did you think of two and three? Uh two was okay. Three was less than okay in my opinion. Oh, wow. Uh, it right, wasn't so- the it wasn't the open world experience that I was looking for. Yeah. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of, and this is this is always going to be its downfall. It gets juxt- juxtaposed uh, to GTA. Right. Always will, and at this point, always has. Right. Um, and so going from this high speed modern day open world crime action thriller to back in the day, mm-hmm. it's it's very kind of hard to merge those two. Um, but I, I, at least I thought the story was cool in the second one. That hurts me uh, to hear you say that because Mafia 2 I freaking loved. Mafia 2 was awesome. Like For me personally, the gameplay mechanics of that game, the just the mission structure, like all the missions, I had a lot of fun on all of the missions. And it just felt very vibrant. Like The world felt alive. Mafia 3 for me did not feel alive it felt very empty it felt like all of the missions were very bland the one bright spot for me for mafia 3 was the story and i didn't even beat mafia 3 because i was so disappointed because i was coming off mafia 2 that i loved so much and then they made mafia 3 the gameplay didn't feel right um just mission structure wise it didn't feel fun um but the story was definitely a bright spot for me in mafia 3 so i would absolutely love a mafia 2 remaster because that game i absolutely adored that game and I, at this point though i just 
I, I, I'm very much in that mindset of like, let's cool it. Like, I thought we made a unspoken <laughs> pact a while ago. Let's cool it on the remasters because yeah. at this point, backlogs are so stacking up that yeah. I can't imagine investing into remasters well, of games I've already played. Like, I love, yeah. and this will maybe shock you. I loved Shadow of the Colossus. Loved it. It's probably one of my favorite PS2 games, at least in my top five. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I have yet to ever play the remastered uh, version that came out on PS4 because, in my mind, okay, I played that game and I know they made mechanical leaps with that yep. um, to kind of fix how we've grown as an industry. But I, I just there's so many other new experiences and new IPs or. Yeah continuations of those and that i just i want to put the time in not a game that's 20 years old and i agree i agree i would definitely rather than prioritize a new mafia game that's in the essence of mafia 2 for me personally because i liked mafia 2 a lot so i agree in that regard um if if it's someone like a side developer that's just making a mafia 2 remaster it won't hurt anything um as long as they're still making a, a new mafia but i want to see them go back to what makes mafia really good and not just make a sequel to mafia 3 i i, I think they need to talk to rockstar and be like hey what can we take yeah. a cue not from gta can we take a cue huh? from L.A. Noir and kind of merge the two? Which Rockstar is owned by Take Two as well. Yeah. So I mean, that's not out of the question. That's that not they no talk. That's why uh, I always think it's funny that. that people are like they're like competing franchises. Like they're not. Really. They're not. They're actually like if I was them, I'd be like in a almost a friendly company with them. Yeah. Like hey, we're trying this out. Did you guys ever try this? Because let's yeah. be honest rockstar north will always be known as like the team that's or not north but just rockstar in general i guess yeah will always be known as the teams that are going to try the new things because they're going to be the most successful at it yeah and i think they could really help um anybody that would develop that mafia yeah. game out I, the only thing that they would struggle with is is that the mafia developers are in uh check Slovakia, I believe they're they're overseas somewhere. Mm-hmm. They develop uh, mafia over there, so they would have to um, kind of collaborate overseas or whatnot. But, anyways, uh, this next one is a weird one. This one just came out today. Medal of Honor or was announced today. Medal of Honor Above and Beyond has been announced for they Oculus. They really want Medal of Honor to succeed. Yeah. It's not 2002 anymore. Let's just for, let it die. For Oculus Rift. And here's the thing. So Medal of Honor has been pretty much dead since that reboot um, back in like 2013. 2012? It was like 2012 or 20, 2011, I thought. I remember in 2012. We bought it as a group of friends, well, and I was like, the glitches literally killed me. Wasn't there a reboot? Then there was a sequel to the reboot. War there was, but I never, something? I never played the sequel because yeah. that so, re- initial reboot scarred me so yeah. much. So the interesting thing about this is, it's being developed by Respawn. I don't know if you saw that mm. or not, but. It's being developed by Respawn, who Vince Ampella, uh originally came from Infinity Ward, which originally created Medal of Honor. So that's kind of crazy how it's kind of coming all full circle. But at the same time, this game looked absolutely disgusting. Like, visually, it looked awful, which well, I guess is... It is VR. Let's yeah, temper expectations. VR. VR will never look like, um, quote-unquote, your, like... Last of Us Part X, Two, yeah, your Xbox games or your PlayStation Four games that are like 
this high def stuff. It doesn't. I mean, Blood and Truth is one of my favorite games that came out this year. Mm-hmm. It is not the best looking game. Right. You just have to sacrifice that when it's in VR at the moment. Yeah. So I guess the the problem I have with this, it's a dead or a dormant franchise. What's the point in bringing it back as a VR game? If you're going to bring it back, bring it back like in full capacity like have respawn say hey we want you to have a third team to develop a new medal of honor honestly what gets me at this point is so there's there's three um central leaders in the vr department uh google samsung and sony yeah um just because of how well all their systems are doing and how well they're not doing at the same time i i don't get in my opinion a lot of the exclusivity unless like um, it's exclusive and it just can't come to say the PlayStation VR just because it's not technically capable, which is fine. We all know it's the least powerful system, but it's also the best selling one of them. Uh, is it? Do it they is. have sales numbers for that? Well, whenever they've Oculus has never released, neither has Vive. Um, and everyone assumes that it's going the Xbox, uh, one route where the reason why they're not announcing it is because they're behind, which some most of the time second and third place they don't want us to say what they're doing but which, which isn't crazy because oculus and vive have are, higher system requirements well than, i was gonna say the buy-ins are, are higher than now oculus has dropped their price i don't know about vive um but even oculus um link um that's come out recently that you don't have to have a computer for yeah. uh but the buy-in initially was already just for the system and then you had to have a very good pc to run these hmm. uh whereas playstation 4 ps for psvr you just had to have okay your standard playstation that's all i have yep. and it runs fine i just don't get the exclusivities with some of these um i think everybody um when you play vr you're like holy crap this is awesome this could be the inevitable future of gaming hmm. um like uh I, I know you've only had a few experiences i actually have a decent amount of games uh, for my PSVR, but it really does feel like, holy crap, I'm in, like, this is the 1980 movies that you saw that you're like, this is what it's going to be like. Well, no, you don't know that, but yeah, it is actually. Right. Um, so why wouldn't all three companies want to almost band together to sell this? Compete. Mm-hmm. I get competing. Totally do. But you need to compete on an even platform, and at this point, you're a, a subsect of gaming that's competing with regular controller and PC and mouse gaming yeah so you need to get on that same level before you start competing with each other when it comes to the games yep i think we're still a long ways away from vr becoming we are but it does give me hope that even during um and i really don't have anything to go over for psvr i I really would love people to watch the video uh from the state of play Uh, a lot of cool things that are coming out um i know i'm actually looking forward to getting a few psvr's games in this holiday season uh but I, I do love the consistent um, support yep. for the platform. Uh, we know even though PlayStation has like 100 million um, install base of the regular PS4, PS4 Pro, uh, but there's st- and PSVR is maybe, I don't know, a couple million, maybe seven at the most at this point. Yep. But they're still supporting it and showing it love. And I really love that. Yep. Um, I mean, it, it's similar to... Uh, Xbox and their support of Connect. Now, granted, Connect died, and I get that, but they uh, did support it yes. when it was still live. Yeah. 
Oh, they supported it on 360. They didn't really they had, support uh, it all one, on Xbox One. Their support was, here's why we're justifying to pay over $100, here's, but then basically, sell it to you separately for $150? It was, here's Connect Sports Rivals. That's all we have. <laughs> so, it, which actually was actually a really good game. I actually loved that game. Uh, it was made by Rare, and uh, I, only, really good I only experienced one game on Connect, and I hated it. What was it? Star Wars. Oh it's gosh! Bad. Why would you want to play it? There was all oh, the launch game for Xbox 360 uh, Connect uh, Connect Adventures. That was actually kind of fun. It was like super. Yeah, man, it. it was super like hokey, but it was fun. But uh, anyways, next we have Bioware is abandoning their post-launch content plans for Anthem. So this news kind of came out uh, a little bit ago and. They kind of announced their content plans back in February and kind of laid out uh, the structure of like what drops they were going to have and everything. Well, they are completely abandoning that and are basically going back to the drawing board on a lot of key systems for Anthem. And um, What's up with Bioware, man? Man, I was very excited for this game before the game came out. And I was like... Mass Effect Andromeda was just like a, you know, a hiccup in, in their history. And then we're going to get an amazing game in Anthem with Casey Hudson back and, and everything was say, else. This was his baby. Yeah, it was. Originally it yeah, was. Yeah. And then he left the company for Microsoft for a little bit. And then he rejoined Bioware as the uh, head of Bioware. But, uh, yeah, this is super disappointing. Um, I, I am glad that they're still working on trying to fix the actual... Uh, mechanics of Anthem, but at this point, it's kind of like too little, too late. I don't see many people wanting to go back to that. I think they just need to move forward to whatever's next for them. Um, honestly, they just Dragon Age at this point. Dragon Age, possibly. Yeah. I mean, that is one of their teams. Uh, I'm not even sure about Dragon Age at this point because with everything that's happened, I wouldn't be know, either. Yeah, if I was a soul bioware fan of like their games yeah a lot of things that they're doing would make me nervous and i don't know if it's necessarily can be blamed on the meddling of ea um because for the most part um a lot of a lot of single player experiences yeah. ea doesn't mess with they want to mess with where they can get microtransactions yeah um and i know anthem was being touted as the destiny killer that type of thing but i mean as uh I remember reading and seeing and watching these videos of like a lot of people that love Destiny or in that community and stuff like that. They actually wanted to give Anthem a try. Mm -hmm. And they weren't trying to hate on it, but all the issues that consistently were coming up yeah. are, it's just a theme almost. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like Bioware has been spiraling out of control ever since uh, the doctors of Bioware, the basically co-founders Ray and uh, Greg, they left back in, I want to say like 2010 or something, or 2012. It was some, sometime after Mass Effect 3 that they left. And I feel like ever since then, they've been losing people in key positions, and they've not really been the same since then. And that's kind of indicative of the industry in general. Uh, you have these companies that you grow attached to, but the developers are constantly moving in and out of, of places. They're not going to stay at one place necessarily for 20, 30 years. They're going to be moving on to the next best thing. 
Um, I kind of experienced that firsthand with Bungie for a while because I love Bungie and I loved Bungie for a long time, but most of those people that I loved during the Halo days don't work at Bungie anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's still a handful that still work there that I, I'd probably be able to name like 10 right now that still work there. But uh, the thing is, is that's just what happens in the industry. Things change. You get new people in there. You get people moving around and being promoted. You have to get the talent in there in order I mean, I, to... I love Naughty on. Dog as a developer and just as a company, but I didn't get Amy Hedig's ending for her Uncharted series. Exactly. I got Sam and Neil Druckmann's um, final for that series, how they interpreted it. Yeah. But I can only imagine what that would have looked like with her interpretation. But I still like the game. Yeah, the game yeah. is still great. It's just we wonder what would have yeah. happened if Amy Hennig had stayed. Or her Star Wars game. God, I wish I knew what that was. Yeah. The Visceral game, which I freaking love Visceral. Dead Space, man. So many good things about that. Uh, next, we're going to talk about the Surge 2 review. We'll t- talk about a couple reviews. The Surge 2 reviews and also Zelda reviews for Switch. So, so Surge 2, got it's getting like a Metacritic like high 70s, uh, which is about the right where i would put it kind of similar um, to the first game right uh yeah those were high sevens low eights um they're saying it's basically even the quality of life improvements and uh with a sequel it's not anything that jumped uh the fence when it came to being above and beyond it's just a lot of more of the same graphically it looks better but they tried to go too heavily a little bit in the story mm. and i think what Soulsborne games do so well is that they don't go into the story as far as telling you one. Yeah. They go into a story about you finding one. Um, if you read all the little trinkets or um, like le- read the messages from the community and that stuff like that, you can piece together a story and kind of figure out, okay, what's going on in this world? And that's not exactly uh, what they did with Surge 2. Yeah. Um, again, I am not confident on myself uh, playing this at this point. Um, I did put about 15 hours into the Surge 1. I didn't get anywhere, really, uh, besides, like, I think the first six bosses uh, for that game. I did enjoy it, uh, but a game, actually, that I'm more excited for comes out uh, in two days, Code Vein. Um, I I like that, and it is exactly another Soulsborne game. Um, I do like uh, that anime style, and I'm not an anime guy. I just I want to see how that turns out. I'm honestly very nervous. I'm not. I didn't pre-order this game or any of that stuff. I'm very nervous how it's going to come out because of the massive delay that happened last year. Yeah. This game was supposed to come out last fall, right? Um, and it got delayed all the way until this one. And sometimes that's great. And I think developers should have all the time they need, but you never know. Which we did see a little bit of that on Inside Xbox. Yeah, they showed like a basically a Smau and Os- uh, Ornstein boss, which are two famous. Uh, actually, it's one famous boss uh, from Dark Souls One. Uh, so, I mean, if that, if they have that experience, I mean, honestly, I don't care that they're essentially copying that formula. If the game's good, I'll play it. Um, and the search two looked really impressive with its like, uh, graphics and just how they were evolving. Um, it's still that market is, I think getting a little overcrowded these days. Yeah. I think every game everyone saw the success of from software they want to copy that and they want to put their own spin on it. Yeah. But 
just like we had when it came to the 4v1 uh, thing that happened in the beginning of this generation, there we have to be smart about how we're going to use this. Yeah. Uh, like, it does not have to be every single action RPG game is a Soulsborne. You mean like that uh, canceled Bethesda 4v1 game that the developer ended up being uh, disbanded? Well, not disbanded. They changed their name from Battlecry to Bethesda Game yeah. Studios and tainted the name of Todd Howard's beautiful yeah. studio and made Fallout 76. <laughs> Which, by the way, hopefully you didn't order a helmet, for, uh, oh, get a helmet yeah. with that, I guess. They had to recall, like, 20,000 of them because of mold. Which I thought that when I first read that, I thought it was the uh, collector's edition. Yeah. Like, I have uh, that, that, it was that helmet, but it's actually a separate standalone helmet that they were talking about that GameStop sold. Jesus. Because I was like, all right, I'm sending mine in. Yeah. But then I read it was not that. Um, The other review uh, that came out uh, after we actually had our episode last week is Zelda Link's Awakening. Um, I... I will have impressions on this once I actually get to the game. Um, I have not had a chance to, uh, one, either purchase it or uh, play it at all just because Borderlands, as rightfully so, it took up my life. And I think all games at this point, I feel like I need to give them a fair chance. I can't have them competing with one another uh, for my time. But it is holding up extremely well to the original. Um, and not just the original, the 1993 version, the 1998 version, and the, I think it was 2008. They've done a lot of remakes of Link's Awakening, in case you didn't know that. Didn't know that, no. Yeah. Um, there was the, because the original came out on Game Boy, they did a Game Boy Color, uh, then I think they released it on the eShop for the Wii. Oh, wow. And then, obviously, this is an actual full-on remake. Remake. Um, it looks really cool. Um, I was actually not high on the art style watching a lot more videos of it i really love this whole um almost 2.5d dynamic because yes. of how the camera goes um and the fact that they do this almost animal crossing blur on the end like i know animal crossing doesn't do a blur it does like a um almost a gravitational uh walk with the planet Gotcha. But how Zelda is doing this with Link's Awakening, it kind of blurs out your corners, mm-hmm. where they're still obviously visible, but it kind of gives a depth perception to the lens. Right. So I think that's really cool. Um, just the quality of life updates. Uh, it's That was actually a hard game. And I know this isn't a Zelda you've ever played, but yep. Link's Awakening is actually pretty hard. Um, a lot of the uh, dungeons, uh, the puzzles, were like you had to find breakable walls gotcha um and in a game boy game or even a game boy advance game that's very hard with that palette and stuff yeah um so they did a lot of quality of life with that um the one thing i'm not seeing a lot of people be too high on is the dungeon creator um it's stuck behind not sharing it online it's stuck behind attaching it to an amiibo Mm. um cool i guess if you're like into like don't get me wrong i have some amiibos yeah um, but I, I was really looking forward to the possibility of like, um, say you were really into Zelda, I would want to play your dungeon that you created similar to, um, uh, Super Mario Maker. Yep. Uh, I thought that was kind of going to be the impression of it. And from what I'm gathering, that's not at all. Yeah. Uh, again, I don't know if this is going to be up your alley for it. Uh, you've never played a 2D Zelda. I might check it out if it goes on sale, yeah. Um, but yeah, it may not be something that I grab right yeah. away. But it, it does look like definitely something up my alley, and I can't wait to give it a try. Yeah. 
So the last item on the news this week, and yes, this is the last item, but we have a very big topic of the show. Where I know we're running quite a bit long, but uh, the topic of the show is going to be centered around The Last of Us 2. Um, obviously, that game's absolutely huge, and they had a lot of stuff to announce. So this last news item is Batman Court of Owls game. It has been heavily rumored and is being teased by Warner Brothers Montreal. So... Remember, Rocksteady is the original developer of Batman Arkham series, Arkham uh, Asylum, Arkham or, uh, Arkham Knight, and then Arkham's... There's I, Asylum. I screwed up. It's Arkham a, City, Arkham a, Knight. Asylum City yeah. and Knight for Rocksteady. Yeah. And then they obviously, uh, Warner Brothers Montreal created Arkham Origins, which was kind of the pre prequel, um, rather, to uh, Arkham Asylum. And it was kind of well-regarded. It was kind of just like an average game. Um, but people are getting very excited about a Court of Owls game that Warner Brothers Montreal is teasing. And people thought they were going to announce it during the PlayStation State of Play event because of the timing of everything. But they still haven't announced it yet. So I'm kind of wondering when they're going to announce it. Maybe at the Game Awards. Um, but I feel like it's still pretty early to be teasing that for the Game Awards. Yeah, it's still two so, months away. So I feel like it's got to be something coming up very soon that we're going to see that. Because um, it's been it's been too heavily rumored at this point for us not to see it. Well, and I... I know this isn't a storyline that you're familiar with aside the Batman comics at all, but the Court of Owls um, is actually a very interesting dynamic when it comes to Batman. It's a lot like um, Ra's al Ghul's Brotherhood in that sense, but um, a little bit different agenda mm -hmm. uh, for that stuff. But I, I think it would be really cool to have that game. Um, they did a pretty good job with getting with the Batman franchise as far as um kind of just taking what rocksteady did and trying to put their spin on it yeah uh, again my issues with them don't have, don't really stand from the gameplay or even the story it's really just the overall technical side of that game uh really brought you out of that experience with all the glitches yeah um so i'm hoping given more time as a developer now that this isn't something that's going to appear. Because given even Batman Arkham Knight's faults, yeah. and don't get me wrong, it had faults. The Batmobile was a major fault. Uh, you could not say that that game wasn't technically performing well. Yeah, exactly. Um, but And you could say that about the other Arkham games too, minus Origins, where you would be gliding around the city, suddenly the city drops out, and then you're just flying in nothingness and just falling. Yeah, that's, And that happened multiple times to me. Yeah, that's unacceptable for that to happen. Mm -hmm. I, I do have a little bit of uh, experience with the Court of Owls uh, storyline because they did something with the Court of Owls in the Gotham TV series, which I thought was pretty interesting. I don't know how accurate it is to the comics. I but didn't know that. That's, yeah. yeah, I'd be curious to see what that is. It, it, is, it was super cool. It was uh, kind of a whole season that they centered around the Court of Owls, yeah. but that was that was pretty cool. Um so, do we want to talk about games we're playing, or do we want to just move to the top uh, of the show? I beat Borderlands. Uh, I can go into more detail. I want to go to bed today. Yeah. Um, yeah we'll... So, we're still playing Borderlands. We both actually yeah. really like it. Still issues, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, I again, highly recommend playing it. Yep. So, we'll jump into the topic of the show. Hopefully, we'll get this through a little, uh, through this pretty quickly. Um, the Last of Us 2 has been announced with the release date of February 21st, I believe, of next year. 
So a lot sooner than I anticipated. I kept saying, like, I thought it was going to be, like, spring, like, the same time uh, that the first game, the first Last of Us came out, like, that May-ish, June timeline. It came out the week of E3. Right, yes. Um, But this is definitely a lot earlier than I anticipated. The game looks absolutely freaking incredible. Like, the, the graphics... I don't even understand how they do it. Naughty Dog is freaking wizards when it comes to graphics on on consoles. It is absolutely stunning. Obviously, they were showing it on PlayStation 4 Pro, but you can only imagine if they remaster this on next-gen or just port it, basically, to next-gen and how good that's going to look and perform next-gen. Um, so... They have a media event that the embargo actually lifts tomorrow for gameplay. Uh, The press is playing a bunch of gameplay uh, from The Last of Us Part II, and they're going to have impressions on that tomorrow. So I'm very excited to see uh, all the impressions from all the outlets tomorrow. They also announced their collector's editions, which the the main collector's edition comes with what you would expect like a statue of ellie and um some stickers and stuff like that some really cool collector's items in there and then there's the ellie edition that comes with a backpack and all of that stuff which is kind of a, a backpack and a vinyl that comes with all that stuff but it's like 60 dollars more I went with the collector's edition that comes with the ellie statue because I think it was like 150. And I'm very, very, very excited for this game. I obviously Last of Us, the first one was one of my favorite PS3 games, um, easily in the top five, made probably the top two, um, and the other one being Uncharted 2. Oh, um, I thought you were gonna say God of War Ascension. No, gosh, that was awful. So God of War Ascension was fun, just they shouldn't have been online. The thing, the thing that's so good about that trailer for Last of Us Part Two is the sound too. Like the clickers, the clicking of the clickers, um, noises that they're making sounds so freaking good, and like all of the environment sounds, and even like the subtleties, like when Ellie gets grabbed from behind by Joel, and she like instantly knows it's Joel, like just by like I guess that feel that's that trailer to me is just stunning so that's where i think you're wrong though that that's the best part the best part of the entire trailer is we get confirmation that ellie is our playable character this time around i think we already Um, confirmed that no it was never confirmed but everyone was just hoping because we never we hadn't seen joel this is the first time we actually saw joel in any last of us 2 marketing which is why Um, i assumed we would be the i yeah everyone was assuming but it wasn't at all uh, said and that's that is my most exciting because I loved chapter three in the original Last of Us when we got Winter. to play as Ellie. Um, yeah, I just thought that I loved that we are a we were a kid that yeah. had been growing up in this environment and now we get to see her as um, no longer a kid, a woman. I think it's been 19 years since all the things transpired in the first one. Oh, really? Um, I didn't yeah. know that. And so we get to now experience how she's aged into adulthood with not just the experience of the world, but look, I'm not going to spoil it because the fact that Last of Us 2 or Last of Us Remastered is going to be on PS Plus, but the ending, as controversial as it was, it gave you an ending um, that really put some questions into your mind. Was there multiple endings? Just one. Okay. I couldn't remember if there was a couple. Yeah. Uh, Neil Druckmann and uh, who's it? Sam... I can't remember saying his last name. I always remember Druckmann's. But they specifically wanted one ending. They actually delayed that game because of the ending. 
Um, so I'm very excited for this. Again, we talked about this Bruce last week. Shirley. That's who it is. I, I didn't even. I didn't Sam. even find it. I, I just thought Sam. of it. Yeah. Um. So I uh, hate that I was wrong last week because yeah. I was really hoping that it would not come out in the spring, and obviously it is. It's coming fresh out like during the February, January time where we said like crap games keep coming out then <laughs> and that's yeah. when we used to have a break from our christmas games yeah is that um, spring it's, it's springish so... oh. i don't yeah. consider i don't know i'm with our weather out here dude you never know what yeah. season you're yeah getting. it's 90 degrees and it's almost october yeah um so i i'm very happy that this is all coming into fruition um i is this feels like now a staple of playstation at this point when the console shutting down that year they're going to release one of probably their best games of the generation. Uh, Last of Us was a generational game uh, last time around. Last of Us 2 could very well be. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm also still in that camp uh, where it didn't need to ever happen. Uh, I was good with yeah. the fir- I was good with only a single experience. Um, it makes me very nervous because sequels can either get you better hyped, but yeah. more often than not, they disappoint. I kind of feel like the way they're positioning this, I kind of feel like Last of Us Part Two is going to be the end. Like, I kind of feel like that it's going to be it after that. Hopefully, yeah, because not everything needs to be a trilogy. True. It really doesn't. Yeah. Um, and Naughty Dog has shown that they know how to create IPs. Yes. Jack and Daxter. Uncharted. Uh, Uncharted Last of Us. I mean, they, they keep going with these heavy hitters. Um, and obviously, Uncharted wasn't a trilogy. It ended up becoming like a four because I don't count Sony Ben's. Um, Golden Compass or Golden, Golden Abyss. Abyss. Golden Compass. Well, that's a you're, mi- you're missing Lost Legacy too. Yeah, that's true. Um, I'm counting just the Nathan Drake ones. No, no, yeah, yeah. But they are so good at what they do. I mean, look, it's no secret that time and time after again they get tens, tens across the board, hundreds, however people score. Except for um, Uncharted Three. Uncharted Two is better. I am 100% in your camp. Yes. I agree. I Now, I don't agree that um, if... I feel like if Uncharted 3 got a 10, then Uncharted 2 should have gotten an 11. Because um, yeah. Uncharted 2 is my favorite in the series. Absolutely agree. Um, and my, Personally, I think Uncharted 4 is better than 3, too. Uh, I would agree. I'm not a fan of the villain from 3. Yep. And I thought that whole thing seemed very forced. Yep. I can't remember the lady's name. Yep. Um, but regardless, um, <laughs> Last of Us uh, Part 2, yep. I think is shaping up to be, an. this will sound stupid, but an early game of the year contender when it comes to 2020. Yeah. Um, Anything Naughty Dog exactly, touches at yeah. this point. It normally works out for them in that end. Um, I just don't know how the console transition works. I hope that what Sony says is true. That if I'm buying this game on PS4, I'm going to be able to play it on my PS5. Yes, um, but I guess the question more is, is it going to look better on PS5 owning the PS4 version? Or are you going to have to buy well, a remaster? I at least know from the Spider-Man video to load faster. Yeah. <laughs> That's about yeah. it. Right. Uh, but I, this was really cool to see everything that they were showing. I'm really interested in tomorrow's gameplay reveal. Um, cause I'm hoping just from the bit that we have seen so far, um, it seems like it's just a little bit more approved upon the stealth mechanics yeah. of it. Uh, I love the crafting, um, and I didn't actually love it cause of the system of crafting. 
I loved the necessity of the crafting. Yes. Um, you felt almost panicked and like the character would when you're trying to make a bomb because there's a clicker chasing you, so you need yeah. to distract them to get them to follow that sound. Mm-hmm. Um, it was always such a joy to play that game. So intense. In that way, yes. And, and this looks like it's dialing up the intensity yeah, exactly. even more so. Like, oh, gosh, I can only imagine. Well, I honestly, I'm really hoping that they've taken a... A huge thing that people loved, and it's not talked about too much, but is their non-dialogue story. So I don't know if you remember this character from the game, but you find out the story um, towards like the second chapter, this character named Ishmael. Yeah. Um, that you're finding all these letters about what's going on in this community that um, Ishmael created, uh, all the things that went wrong, all the things that happened, like all within like this like three hours you're reading all these documents for it. I really hope they do something like that where I'm not just learning about Joel and Ellie's journey um, or any other characters that they introduce. Um, I want to see how this world continues to fight with how the apocalypse has affected them. And and Sam is returning. We saw him in the trailer. Yeah, yeah, that's... I'm curious how that's going to go down. Yeah, Uh, yeah, that's... And that'll be interesting, let's just say that. He wasn't he wasn't in any part of the end game of the original, right? He was he disappeared after that beginning sequence, right? I think so. Yeah, because I don't remember him being in the second half of that game at all. I'll have to double check. Yeah. I and by double check I mean literally re Wikipedia because like I yeah. don't see myself replaying that anytime soon. Yeah. Um I hope too that uh I know they've kind of they haven't announced any like season pass or anything like that, which Naughty Dog generally doesn't do anyways. Right. Uh, I really hope for some sort of DLC. I actually liked uh, Left Alone. I think that's what it was called. Left Behind or Left Alone? It was one of the two. Yeah. Uh, but I really liked that DLC uh, where, uh, if I remember correctly, you were... Uh, left Behind. Ex- left Behind. You were experiencing Ellie's journey yeah. um, before she interacted Joel while like running around in the mall scene. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was a really cool thing to see because you actually get to see how she got bitten. Um, you get to understand her more as a character and all this stuff. Um, here's the main thing that I would like to see. That in 19 years since the events of the first game took place, did she learn how to swim? Probably not. Probably not. That's how I'm thinking. Like, yeah. every effing time, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Joel, I need you to pull me yeah. over. I'm 30 years old yeah. now. <laughs> what? Ellie. Ellie, that's what I was going to say. You guys spent a year together and you never thought to yourself, let's stop for 10 minutes to teach you how to swim. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They've been too busy trying to kill clickers, I guess. So, All right. Well, I think that pretty much sums up our thoughts on The Last of Us Part 2. We're obviously very, very excited for that game and... Anything from Naughty Dog, I'm always excited for. So, very excited for that. And uh, that'll kind of be like the bookmark, I guess, to the end of the PlayStation 4. I feel like that's going to be the last hurrah. And then we're going to lead into PlayStation 5. And I honestly, I because I'm kind of thinking how next year will go. And how previous into this generation is uh playstation had their event in february xbox had theirs in early march it was like two months two months or two weeks later Mm -hmm. um so i'm curious if we're gonna get some sort of no xbox had theirs in may actually it It was like right before it was maybe three or four weeks before e3 yeah but that event wasn't bad it was their e3 event that did all the damage in the world uh as far as xbox 
No, no, it was that event that did the worst because that was where they said, "Oh, you have was to it? have an online connection." And then E3, they reversed it. If you remember, E3 was really good because they showed all games. Remember, they I just they remember Sony of, coming out hard and just giving yes, it to the, uh, they Microsoft. Did. They got a lot of crap for what they did, but then they came out on the stage and showed all games because people were criticizing their reveal event because they showed TV. TV and all that. And then they were like, all right, here's all the games. And the the games they showed were all very good, but then there was the cloud around the online, always online, and that's when they reversed all those decisions. So. Yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how everything spaces out next year and what we're looking at for consoles, because we're all assuming 2020 is oh, when yeah. we're getting new guys. Oh, yeah. And Microsoft's already confirmed that, and I think PlayStation will follow suit. Yeah. So. All right, that's, uh, I think that's going to do it for uh, Episode 9. Uh, thank you guys again for all joining us in the live chat. Remember, you can join us Wednesdays at 8 p.m. to watch us live recording of Podcast PXN. You can always follow us at Podcast PXN on Twitter. Um, but we appreciate you guys listening, and we will see you guys next week. Deuces. Deuces.